We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. Christ-conscious believer, we continue to our second to the last hallmark. There were 16 in total. This is number 15. And that is that the Christ-conscious believer is never without thanksgiving. Can we all say that together? The Christ-conscious believer is never without thanksgiving. The Christ-conscious believer is never without thanksgiving. There is such an entitlement mentality in third world countries, especially of black extraction, where people feel like the person that has legitimately or not made an advance in life owes it to them to give them something. And so we feel very entitled. People are looking at you and you, you, you size you up and feel like you, you have something I don't have. So you must share it with me. And because of that, you hardly find the atmosphere of genuine atmosphere of thanksgiving, even among believers. You don't have the attitude of thanksgiving. And this is where I will refer you, like I said, when I started teaching this series, that it was probably going to be the most crucial of the series we have done so far. And I said to you that every single part that we have done is a referral to some other teaching that, we ha- that has come from this house. And so for this particular one, I'd like to refer you to, if not for the Lord, attitude of gratitude. It's just like 36 minutes long. Also, and then it starts to kick in at about the 15th minute or so thereabout. We start off talking about the blood and communion and the Lord's Supper, and then it just switches straight into gratitude. And, and if you remember that Tuesday, it was such an outpour of, of thanks, even and gratitude. It's something that is the believer's natural. It's something that we need to pay attention to. Now, in that teaching, I think I remember mentioning that the word thanksgiving, you know, when I showed you in, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. The word thanks, the word thanksgiving is actually the same root word as the word grace. Yeah, the word grace, charis. So the word thanksgiving is from the word eucharistio, eucharistio, something that, so in other words, it takes grace to be thankful. It takes grace to be thankful. It takes the working of grace to be thankful. It takes the acknowledgement of the working of grace to be thankful. On account of that, it turns out that thanksgiving in itself is an expression of grace that only happens by grace. So somebody who cannot walk in thanksgiving is somebody who has not appropriated the grace of God to be thankful. Does that make sense? Being thankful and expressing your thankfulness is an outflow of the grace of God. It's an outflow of the grace of God. You know, most times we think that thanksgiving comes natural. But have you noticed if you're honest with yourself, it doesn't. If you're honest with yourself, thanksgiving doesn't come natural. It's a discipline you must acquire. The average person hardly can say thank you for something done to them. If you do, you do it begrudgingly, like because there's no other way. It will be just, oh, so okay, thank you. Somebody else, you say, somebody, um, can you help me bring something? You go, thank you. Uh, they say, well, didn't, you didn't say thank you. I was waiting for you to finish. Have you encountered anything? Like that? And a lot of times we struggle to naturally be thankful. 
You have to learn to be grateful. And so you do that, you're thankful, you're thankful, you're thankful. There's something it does. A woman can cook for, for all day and be happy to not eat it. Just as long as it satisfies you. And they have men that feel very entitled and feel like you were born for them to cook for you. You know, you eat and then you can't even say thank you. Am I the, not the one that provided it? What do you have that has not been given to you of the Lord? And if it was given to you of the Lord, why do you act like you acquired it yourself? We have not so learned Christ. And that's why every time I keep saying, if you will be effective as a son of God in the kingdom of God, you must retire your African mentality. Because it will always stand against the culture of the kingdom. Always. It will always stand against the culture of the kingdom. Always. We don't need African culture to know honor and to know respect. I'm telling you the truth. You might find it funny. People might feel offended by it. But there's nowhere we are seeing in scripture that we must borrow from somebody's human tradition in order to know how to be, behave as sons of God. The word of God is sufficient. That's our assignment. To herald that the word of God is sufficient. So until we get to the point where our message is clear, until we get to the point where our message is clear, to conform with our opinion of stuff, but until we get to the point where we retire every other thing and let the culture of God's kingdom be enthroned above every other culture, we will struggle in our ability to function as sons of God. So thanksgiving is not, is not, is not natural. If it were, you will not have the scripture so loud on it. You will not have thanksgiving attached to grace. Such that it takes grace to be thankful. It takes being conscious about something to be thankful. You know, if you are thankful, you walk in such honor, somebody else can be offended. Does that make sense? It's not something that expires. If you remember how much, if you think about how much, it's a level of indebtedness that keeps you thankful. Constantly. Because thankfulness is the acknowledgement of what the person has done. Do you understand? It's not the ratifying, it's not the receiving, it is the acknowledgement or the grace to acknowledge what a person has done. Now, in, in the context of our faith and our work as sons of God, it therefore is the, is the acknowledgement of all God has done for you as is accessible in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? In the context of our faith, Thanksgiving Eucharistio is a an acknowledgement of the grace to acknowledge all that God has done for you in Christ and all the advantage that that brings you into. That's essentially what it means to be thankful. So it means, therefore, that if we are the righteousness of God in Christ, if we are righteous, apart from the law, if we are righteous according to the righteousness that comes or which is from faith in Christ Jesus, Romans 3 and 22, then it means that to be righteous is to be thankful. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ. Put it, put it in James. There's some, there's some verses that only work well in King James. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. So if we have righteousness, and I said this over the weekend, if we are righteous, it is the righteousness that comes from faith in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Outside faith in Christ Jesus, there's no righteousness. Right? By, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to anyone who believes. Romans 10 and 4. For a righteousness apart from the law has been revealed. Romans 3, 21. Yeah? 
So if we're righteous, it is because of what God did in Christ and our believing in that. Make sense? Second Corinthians 5, for he knew, made him who knew no sin to become sin, verse 21, that you might become the righteousness of God located in Christ Jesus. So if a man is righteous, he's righteous because he is in Christ Jesus. If a man is holy, he's holy because he is in Christ Jesus. It is imputed righteousness. It is not earned righteousness. Are you here tonight? It is imputed righteousness. It is not earned righteousness. No man can earn righteousness. No man can do everything it takes to be declared righteous. If you did everything that it took, even if you adhered to the law, then you realize the law in itself is not able to make a man righteous because the law is not the reflection of Christ Jesus. Are you following? The law is not a reflection of Christ Jesus. It's a type and shadow getting you from here to there so you can receive the righteousness of God which is through faith. Now, so if, if you're righteous, it means that so, a substance that is alien to you or that was hitherto alien to you has been imputed to you, has been transferred to you. The great exchange, right? The swap. He took your sin. He became your sin. He gave you his righteousness. You became his righteousness. Make sense? That, that comes upon you because you believe. Yeah? Because you accept his faith. The faith of the son of God. Are you following me? Romans 2.20. Now if you are righteous and you believe, you have gotten the substance that makes Jesus pure. It means that the finished work of Christ is at work in your life. If it is at work in your life, then you cannot but be thankful. You cannot but be Christ conscious if you truly are saved by what Christ did. Does that make sense? It's, it is the height of witchcraft to acknowledge that somebody did you good and refuse to be grateful for it. It's witchcraft. It's witchcraft that sons of God do not, therefore should not have the capacity to practice. We should not be able to successfully be ungrateful and most people that are, are, are worried or concerned about gratitude are people who have major issues with ingratitude themselves. Let me give you an example. There's nobody who respects the place of their pastor who labors over them. If you have somebody that has labored over you, you will never open your mouth and question or attack somebody else when they're celebrating who has labored over them. If you do that, you're a witch. Yes, and me, I don't, pay, I don't have time for such yes, rascals. Because yes, essentially that's who they are, rascals. You don't have time. You just shut it down yeah. instantly. If you can successfully be swayed by somebody who is questioning your gratitude about where you are being fed, you yourself are a problem. Because it means you do not know who has labored over you and who is laboring over you. But if you have someone who has labored over you, who labors over you, who is laboring over you, you stay grateful. Eternally, you will never get to the point where you are grateful enough. Ever. You never get to the point where you are grateful enough with your, with your family. I know it's not my wife. She cooks this soup every time. You hear guys saying, why, why should I always tell her I love you? Don't you know I love you? Run from that kind of person. I'm telling you the truth. If somebody can draw a rota for gratitude, 
You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. First Sunday and last Sunday. Thanksgiving in our relationship. <laughs> because and it's, it's, not, it's not their fault. We have brought that nonsense into church. So you struggle to be thankful on things. Thanksgiving service. You are now gingering. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Scripture says be thankful always. Always. It's not seasonal. It's a response to your acknowledgement of what God did for you in Christ. Every time you remember what is done, not as if you forget, every time you are conscious of it, you are thankful. Every time you are thankful, you never run out of thanksgiving. Because to be righteous is to be thankful. Let me say that together. Yeah. To be righteous is it's not it's not a right. It's imputed. It's privilege. It's something you're constantly thankful for. Constantly. Constantly. Imagine that the vice president is there for a while, you know, and then in his second tenure, he now comes up to give his speech. And he doesn't have to do the protocol anymore. Doesn't have to honor the president, whether he's there or not. Because like, I've done this. I've done this for like six months. And I've done it one term, four years. By now, the president should know that all protocols observed. You should know. Because most times, you, you, you come to realize that most times, we show ingratitude to people we think we can get away with not being thankful. There's something about us that makes us feel like if I say thank you to you, I've come down to your level. And so if, if, if we're looking for every opportunity to get something done for us without us having to show gratitude. It's an evil spirit. It's not God. Looking for somebody you can command and get, get stuff done. It doesn't hurt to say thank you. It doesn't hurt to be thankful all the time. And if you're like me, somebody will tell you, what are you thanking me for? I'm just thankful for you. Could you get this for me? Yes, I'll. Thank you. You bring it. Thank you. Please close the door on your way out. Thank you. What happened? I'm still pav. You didn't say thank you to this person. It's like, oh, when they first came, sir, I said thank you. I know you have major pride and foolishness issues. Because it's a combination. You know, some pride is informed. You know, there's some pride that is informed pride. There's some pride that is empty. To be righteous is to be thankful. To be righteous is to be thankful. So, this, so it means, therefore, that there cannot be Christ consciousness without gratitude. It's impossible. There cannot be Christ consciousness without gratitude, without thanksgiving. It's not possible. Colossians 3 and verse 17. Thank you, Father. Now you see why each time I'm talking or singing, I'm always saying thank you, Father. It's for me, it's, it's, it's first nature. Always. Always. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your name. Thank you for strength. Always. Colossians 3 and verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. And how should you do that in the name of Jesus? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, each time certain levels of truth come in this house, layer upon layer, line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little there, you know. Just one time we're telling you that the word of God is not in talking. Another time we're telling you, open your mouth and speak. And it's not cancelling out when we tell you that the word of God is not in talking. You know, what I'm about to say now is one of such things. 
Because a lot of times as Christians, as believers, we are vocal about our faith and we don't give thanks. You know, that's how you can be very selfish without knowing. You can get up and just be saying, I am this, I am righteous, I am justified, I am this, I am that. And you have said all that and you have not given thanks for what you are. And more than confessing, you see, you are not righteous because you confess you are righteous. You're not justified because you say every morning, I'm justified. It's yourself you are reminding. You're, you're not trying to activate anything. You're just reminding yourself so you can walk in the consciousness of it. So therefore, the tendency, the proclivity to become self-absorbed is very high. For you to wake up every morning and just, I am this, I am that, I am the other, I am the other, and you're the other, and you have not said, thank you. And all your father expects of you, if you woke up in the consciousness of righteous, holy, sanctified, redeemed, da, 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 thank you. It captures everything God did in Christ. Everything. It captures everything God did in Christ. He sanctified you. He healed you. He placed you. He changed your position. He became your sufficiency. He became your righteousness. Became your peace. Became your justification. Your redemption. Brought you into the inheritance. He qualified you. He translated you. You know, he delivered you. He, he placed you. He glorified you. All of that is captured in thank you father for the cross. Thank you for your son, my elder brother, Jesus. But you can go on, sometimes you can walk away feeling very, very pumped, you know, like a hydrogen balloon. Like, <laughs> you know the hydrogen balloons, you can't control them, they're just all over the place. And you feel like, yeah, I'm righteous. I'm, I'm and you have forgotten to be thankful. And you'll see later on in this teaching, if you get there today, that all God expects of you is thanksgiving. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not looking for your confession. But he is expecting your thanksgiving. He expects it. And that's crucial. You know, even, even, even before the cross, there was a story of ten lepers that were cured. And they were a mixture of people. The, the narrative will show you that they were a mixture of Jews, Samaritans, and maybe a few other people. You know, generally when you're leprous, you're just, you go and form your colony and you band together. You know? He said, go and show yourselves to the priests and you'll be made, made whole. And, and as they went, scripture says, they were made whole. But one came back to Jesus, fell at his feet and, and thanked him. And Jesus was shocked. He said, were you not ten that were made whole? How come it is just this one, a Samaritan, that has come back to give thanks, to give glory to God. Why? Jesus expected that the 10 of you come back and say thank you. And if anybody would not come back, it shouldn't have been the Jews. Samaritan is the one that came back to say thank you. He now told the guy, now you are whole. There was a completion that was unlocked in his life by thanksgiving. That means he got a quality of what Jesus was able to do that the other nine did not get. He expects you to be thankful. Our pattern son, why does he expect you to be thankful? He himself, Jesus, our pattern son. Amen. Jesus was just a whole ball of thanksgiving. If Jesus prayed, if he said anything, 
He gave thanks. He gave thanks. There's no food. He gave thanks. Somebody died. He gave thanks. <laughs> He's about to share his body. He gave thanks. He's about to go to the cross to die. He gave thanks. For the very cup he didn't want to drink, he gave thanks. To be. You know, you, you cannot pretend to be thankful. After a while, it wears off. And then you're. If you meet grateful. You know, in my life, particularly, I, I've, I come across a lot of people in my relationships that are worried about. And it just tells me that such people are lacking or lagging in their gratitude. Because it should be gratitude, slapping gratitude. It should be thanksgiving, motivating thanksgiving. The things you think that, oh, well, they are natural things in relationships or in, in, in certain affiliations. It's, it's stuff that I am thankful for. Because you realize that life, the, 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 the most expensive is privilege. And life will be a lot more beautiful and safe. If we spent more of privilege and less of a right. It's that foul spirit of right that makes somebody carry a gun and go into somebody else's house to take what is theirs. They feel like what is in your house should be mine. The money in your account should be mine. That's a false and dangerous sense of entitlement. And that, that arm robbery spirit is not far from a lot of us believers. Because there's nothing that will make, nothing else will make a man force himself upon a woman sexually or vice versa if he doesn't feel somehow that he's entitled to it. You see? So there's a lot that we need to do in the society that needs to change. A lot. We need to flip the cultural narrative. We need to flip it. And that's the place of the church. Because if you understand certain things, you understand that it's a privilege, it's not a right. It's not. And I say it all the time publicly. For men who are in relationships or married and all that, that a woman will really sub... You think some women cannot fight? Let them catch you somewhere. Somebody... You'll know that Jesus is Lord. So for me, it's a huge privilege. It's not something you take lightly. It's not. But we are full of... We want to be forceful about everything. You want to be forceful. You want to be aggressive. But you get ahead a lot more by celebrating the currency of privilege. There's something about somebody putting out for you just because you are thankful. The look on your face. The smile on your face. The gratification. We want them to do more. Give more. Go the extra mile. Stretch more. So imagine if I'm doing that to you and you're doing that to me. And the church is full of that atmosphere. And it's such a joy. Imagine if relationships have that same vibe. Imagine if an employer is humble enough to tell his employee, well done, that was good, thank you. But you hear, am I not paying you? What are you even paying? Every time we remove transport, what are you paying? Am I not paying you? And then you hear people say, are you not just doing your job? You're not just doing your job. But to be righteous is to be thankful. So you see why I take my time and teach in this house? Because when we teach, we teach to change something. 
We don't, it's not information. We teach, we teach to change a paradigm, change a mindset, change a culture, shift it. I know everybody won't get it at the same time, but that's why we keep teaching. That's why we keep teaching. There's nothing. Say thank you. Open the door. Close the door. Thank you. Because that's our nature. And that's how our elder brother showed us. There's nothing that came his way that he wasn't thankful for. Luke 9, 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. And gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. He blessed them. Now, um, the word there is the word eulogia. And over the weekend, I explained to you that when it's coming from us toward God is adulation, praise, and thanksgiving. Right? Okay. And when it's coming from God, word, it's him endowing us. Here, Jesus was thanking God. He was giving God thanks for that. Make sense? John 11. I need 41 and 42. This is Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, right? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And we've come across this scripture a lot in recent times. I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Mark 14. Just show you a few examples. Mark 14, I need from verse 17. In the evening he came with the twelve. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, King James says, Verily, verily, <laughs> I say to you, One of you who eats with me will betray me. Keep going. We're going up to 23. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? Is it me, Jesus? <laughs> And another said, is it I? Is it, is, it, is it me, Jesus? And he answered and said to them, it is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. Imagine Judas going, is it me, Jesus? <laughs> and Jesus would be like, hey. <laughs> Name Jesus, your mouth. <laughs> Eat bread, go and do what you're going to do. <laughs> Disturb somebody here. Let's finish our food in peace. <laughs> the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave to them and said take it this is my body he began to celebrate the cross then he took the cup and when he had so the blood by which your sins are forgiven guess what he shed it in the atmosphere of thanksgiving because that cup was his blood took the cup the cup of the new testament in my blood he lifted it up gave thanks before he gave them so you received salvation in the atmosphere of thanksgiving. Your salvation is laced and saturated with thanksgiving. Jesus could see how many sons will come into glory. He could see how much light will come. That darkness can no longer be able to comprehend. 
And it was because of this that he endured the cross, despising the shame. And that picture caused him to be thankful. He was thankful. He was thankful. That's our example. He was always thankful. So the apostles pick that. Ephesians 5 and 20. We see the apostles imitate the same thing. And in verse 20, you see where... Let's pick it up from... from the, the sentence starts at 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I'll get to that in a minute. I'll explore that word will, telema in the Greek. And, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, look at this, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord giving thanks. Go back again to 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always. You see that? So you're speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in the atmosphere of constant thanksgiving. Giving thanks always for all things. The word always in the Greek is the word pass, P-A-S, like you're passing something, P-A-S. And pass means in diverse manners. So it's not just always as in a function of time, but in die for every kind of reason or none at all. Giving thanks always for all things to God. When I hear people say, well, I've said thank you, you know, why should I say thank you? Then I, then I ask myself, Jesus was God. His name was Everlasting Father. Why did he have to give thanks to God? He was God. He's God. But every time he came upon a circumstance, he gave thanks. I was showing you a pattern. So that you two do not get up and feel like you have come to a point where you do not need to be thankful. It's like you see you have come to a point where you no longer need the righteousness which is by faith. You know, you have used that righteousness to the point where you, you have now uh, morphed. You know, you have now morphed into your own righteousness using Jesus' righteousness as raw material. You know, now you have now developed your brand of righteousness. So you can shed off the righteousness which is by faith in Christ Jesus because his faith has strengthened you to the point where you have now commissioned your own faith. You know? You have launched your own brand, your own product of pistis. It's at that point you can switch off gratitude. But if you are plugged into the righteousness which is of faith in Christ Jesus, you stay thankful. You know why Jesus was thankful to the Father always? Because he said, of my own, I can do nothing. I only do what I see my Father do. So he acknowledged the Father as his source. Once you acknowledge where your stuff is coming from, you stay thankful. Jesus in the flesh was anointed by the Father to function. Acts 10, 38, right? How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. How, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy. For, for the Lord was with him. Acts 10, 38. For the Lord was with him. So he acknowledged how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit and the power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God. So he acknowledged his source. 
And because he constantly acknowledged his source, he stayed thankful. So really, thanksgiving boils down to acknowledgement. Boils down to acknowledgement. We thank God always in all circumstances. Let's look at a few more scriptures. Let's, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, and I love that one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 1 Thess 5, 18. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. So there is nothing in which or how do I put this? There is nothing that will happen to you that will preclude or exclude the need for thanksgiving. We give thanks in everything, even if not for everything. In everything. Yeah, thankful. In everything. We give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, God wills that you be thankful. Therefore, ingratitude is walking in stark disobedience to his will. There's no way you can justify it. To be ungrateful is to be anti his will. Because his will is for you to be grateful. Now the word grateful, the word, the word will is the word thelema. Like thelma. That's where it comes from. But thelema. T-H-E-L-E-M-A. That's the original word in the Greek for the word will. It comes from another Greek word called thelo. T-H-E-L-O. And they both share the prefix. They both share that with the word theos, which you, of course you know is the word for God in the Greek. So thelema from the word thelo in the Greek for will. And it means the, the desire of a person and the result of that desire. The expectation of a person and the result of that thing. So it's not just what I desire, but the, my desire and the outcome of my desire is my will. Did you get that? The desire and the outcome of that desire. So if, this is the, if the will of God is for you to be thankful, it means that every time you are thankful, you are supplying the outcome of God's desire. So God looks at you and he sees a fulfillment of his desire in you just for being thankful. You understand why I said beyond confessing who you are, who you are, you is great. But his desire is to see you thankful. That's all. His desire is to see you thankful. Let's look at that in Acts chapter 20. Seven. You see the apostles in quite a very, very precarious situation. Acts 27. The, the, Paul and the guys were headed to Rome, if you know the story. And Paul had told them to not bother starting the journey. Because he saw, you know, by word of knowledge, that there was calamity on the way. But the owners of the sheep and the, the helmsman, the people that run the sheep, obviously wanting to make profit on those merchant ships, insisted that the journey proceed. And um, Paul told him, he said, this thing will end in disaster. 
<laughs> they said they would go ahead. So they went ahead, and then you know how the journey started with, with very soft wind. <laughs> it's a very interesting story. <laughs> Most times when I read, when I read stories like this, I actually picture it in my head. And then when I had the privilege of visiting Malta a few years ago, you know, imagine standing there around the area where his sheep was said to have shipwrecked, you know, and just seeing the jagged rock and everything. And you know where scripture says, you know, that um, they dropped an anchor and then it was 84 longs and then he went further and dropped it. You see those things there. And I was just picturing stuff in my head, you know, because, you know, it says that the, 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 the wind was blowing very softly. So now they now decided to sail close to the coast because <laughs> everything was all right until the tempest hit them and tore the sheep apart. And here Paul, who ordinarily you'll be upset or angry and saying, I warned you, you know, you don't used to hear word because I'm the prisoner, blah, 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 blah. So they had not eaten. This, was, this went on for two weeks, two weeks. They were being beaten. In fact, if you read the story, I'm worried when people say they are bored reading scriptures. How? You know, because if you're reading that thing, you literally see it. Literally, see it at the point. This, um, it was Luke that wrote this account. Luke said, at a point, they stopped trying to drive the boat and let the boat drive itself. So imagine being tossed around the ocean for two weeks, no food, because they had lightened the boat earlier. They had dropped everything. They had cast off the foreloin, so even the anchor was heavy. They had dropped it off and cut it off the boat. So the boat was just freestyling. And the wind did not give up. It, it actually had a name, Eurocyclone or something. There's a name in Greek that that particular, they named the storm. It's not, it's not today they started naming storms. Verse 13 or 14. This is just, just for fun. <laughs> when the south wind <laughs> blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Eurocyclone. They had the name, Clydon. How does the TPT put this? Let's see what, <laughs> see what the TPT calls it. But it wasn't long before the weather abruptly worsened and a storm of hurricane force called the Nor'easter tore across the island and, and blew us out to sea. It was, it was bad. Two weeks. They're being tossed around like ragdolls in the sea. And then eventually at about verse, verse 33 in the New King James. And as day was about to dawn, this is the 14th, the 15th, 14th night into the 15th morning. Yeah? Okay. Go to verse 27. I just, I, I didn't want to read the whole story, but, but just 27 so I can see a few things. Now when the, okay, so I'm not just telling you what's in my head. Yeah? 14th night had come as we're driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land and they took some soundings and found it to be 25th and blah, 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 blah. So, 33. And so this place I'm telling you where they took soundings and found it to be 25th and switched switch to, to the TPT, verse 28. Because that, that's actually there in Malta. Just before daybreak. They discovered that the, the water was about 120 feet. So there's, there's stuff that the boat carries that when they drop it, when it gets to ground, then they measure how deep it's gone. So you actually have those in Malta as they approach the. It's, it's incredible, you know. And after sailing a short 220, and after sailing a short distance, they again took soundings and found it 
90 feet deep and then you find another one there, you know. And then they, they took another one, they dropped their anchors and then in verse 33, Paul, as day was about to dawn, New King James, Paul implored them all to take food saying, today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Two weeks. 34, in the midst of a storm, Paul gets up and says to them, therefore I urge you to take nourishment for this is for your survival. Since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. Unbelievers. Unbelievers. He says not a hair will fall off the head of any of you. People that disobeyed his word. So you won't be harmed. Because he was his, it was God's desire, dilemma, for him to get to Rome. See the next verse, 35. I like this. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks. Imagine the storm. 14 days. Not just any storm. A storm with a name. And he took bread, broke it, and gave thanks to God in the presence, in the hearing, in the reckoning of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat in the storm. In the storm. And that, it had a ripple effect because by, by, by the next verse, you see that they were all encouraged. And also took food themselves. In the storm, somebody was giving thanks. Imagine the storm raging. Imagine Paul there with bread in his hand. Say, thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you for deliverance from storm. Thank you for bread to eat. Thou that givest bread to the eater. Inside a storm. The average Nigerian will say, leave that thing first. This is life and death matter. Who is your life? Who is your life? Who is your life, your Zoe? It's his will for us to be thankful. Colossians 4 and verse 2. In the storm. Through the storm. He is Lord. Lord of all. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving. In other words, thanksgiving is how you exercise vigilance in prayer. In other words, you are careful to ensure that your prayer is being underguarded and fueled by thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, in prayer with. So guess who the vigilante of your prayer is? Thanksgiving. The security as it were of your prayer. Thanksgiving. You are vigilant in prayer. The consciousness that informs your prayer is thanksgiving. That means when, he, when you do all the permutations, what he boils down to is that there's nothing God expects more from you when you are speaking than to be thankful. Nothing. There's nothing. I mean, Jesus could have said a thousand and one things at those times. And all he would do is give thanks to the Father. And it was enough. There's so much released when you say thank you, Father. 
So much released. So much released. When you say thank you. So much. Continue earnestly in prayer. Being vigilant in all things. In it with thanksgiving. Now I put something down here. I said the believer's faith realities. Are a perpetual trigger. For constant thanksgiving. The believer's faith realities. Are a perpetual trigger. For constant thanksgiving. I say one more time. The believer's faith realities. Faith hyphen realities. Realities of your faith in God through Christ. Are a perpetual trigger. For constant thanksgiving. The believer's faith realities are a perpetual trigger for constant thanksgiving. In other words, every time you, re- you, 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 you come to the realization of, every time you are, you are walking in the consciousness of all the cross has done for you, you cannot but be thankful. You cannot but be thankful takes you back to the first point of this series. Christ conscious believer is grateful for the cross. You cannot but be thankful. Your realities. I know the same principles translate to our own interpersonal relationships. You think about somebody that the Lord has blessed you with. You think about their, their labor in your life and you just stay thankful. Spouse to spouse, brother to brother, sister to sister, disciple to mentor, and the list is endless. And you're just thankful. And sometimes you can look, you can be so thankful that you look suspicious. I'm like that. You're like, how are you thanking me like this? You know, because most people don't understand because they've not gotten used to receiving gratitude. So they get bothered when you are overtly thankful. And then you too want to reduce the volume of your gratitude because you feel like it's making somebody uncomfortable. Keep at it. They will grow into it. And don't ever try to stop somebody's thanksgiving. No, don't, don't do it. If someone is expressing gratitude, let them. Because it doesn't come easy. If somebody's expressing gratitude, let them be thankful. And that's why we, we, are, we are, in most religious settings, we, are, we, we struggle to be happy for someone. Because you're calculating what has happened to them against what you're expecting to happen to you. They got a job. Like, ha! In this tough time, they say, I've written 39 applications. I'm very sure I'm more qualified. How many heads they get? They have two heads. That's what's going on in the minds of a lot of people in church. And you can be thankful for someone. And you are praying. Your prayer has no vigilante. Because you are vigilant in prayer with thanksgiving. Because you've just shown that you are not qualified to walk into the, realize, the, the manifestation of what is your reality. You know, it's, it's your reality. It's one thing for you to have some things. Another thing for you to walk in it, appropriate it. There's some things that you, are your reality now. If it comes to you today, it will kill you. Oh, Father, let me have money. There's some money if you get and you increase. You just, you just go off, like totally off. Ah, Bello, why are you not in church? Ah, I'm busy. There's a contract I'm chasing. Mm, contract. There's a contract. Ah, what? Church, you know. Ah, pastor, you don't understand. It's 39 million. Well done. Some of you, that if you get some kind of money you're expecting, your wife will be your slave. The shopkeeper will be your slave. Your siblings will be your slave. You do stuff. You do stuff for people, but you do it as 
as a god. This kind of people that throw money at you know. My thing, take it away, watch it, and get out of my face. Did Christ die for it? Yes. You will not see it. And that is God showing you love. Jesus is God showing you mercy by keeping you until you have built capacity as a son to handle what is yours without it driving you crazy. Small grace you head of. Small, small. See how you are misbehaving. Small. You have not even heard the grace. Oh. We have not shared it. Oh. You're already acting like a door with one hinge. No control. Small carries. Small baby grace. Hallelujah. Believers' faith realities are a perpetual trigger for constant thanksgiving. Each time, each time you remember, each time you, you never cease to be thankful. Each time. And you don't assume that it's been it's known enough. I've said enough. You're constantly thankful. Because you see, thankfulness is not even a function of what you're expecting a resp- or, a, or a function of the, re- the response you're expecting. You know, you do, you're not thankful to get a response. In other words, every thank you doesn't have to be met with your welcome or my pleasure or for nothing and all the normal English things. I'm not saying, I mean, it's courtesy to say that, but that should not be your reason for saying thank you. You're not saying thank you so that you can hear the person say, you're welcome. You're saying thankful because you acknowledge every good thing that is yours in that person. As, as, as Paul says to Philemon. That the communication of your faith be factual in the acknowledgement of every good thing that is yours in Christ Jesus. Philemon 3. It's just one chapter, right? One short book. The acknowledgement of every good thing that is yours in Christ Jesus, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Every time you think about that, every time you acknowledge all that the Lord has done, man, you stay grateful. You stay grateful. You stay grateful all the time. All the time. There's no time we'll sing a song like give thanks, give thanks for the Lord is good and he's always been good. That you will not respond with all of your being. Because you see the goodness of God is epitomized in the price of Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus is the ultimate display of the goodness of God. That's something you ought to write down. The sacrifice of Jesus is the ultimate display of the goodness of God. This is what the goodness of God looks like. Jesus. What he did. Jesus is proof that God is good. (laughs) The cross is proof that God is good. My righteousness in Christ Jesus is proof that God is good. My justification by faith is proof that God is good. There's no other proof I need. No other argument, no other play. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died. A believer's faith reality is a perpetual trigger for constant thanksgivings. Let me show you one example in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, 3 to 8. And we'll also see 1 Thessalonians 1. Colossians 
1, 3 to 8. We, the we here is Paul and Timothy. See verse 1. Colossians was written by Paul and Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, the lemma, you know that now, and Timothy, our brother. So who was, who was writing? Paul and Timothy, verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, we, Timothy and I. Yeah, it's important to pay attention to these things. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Keep going. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So what was causing them to be thankful? The faith in Christ Jesus of the Colossian church. Just you, Paul and Timothy are there far away. And they just remember how the Colossians received Christ. And they're constantly giving. So each time they're having conversations, Paul and Timothy, and they just remember the guys in Colossae, Malakose, Jadavaka, or Lady Isabalago. And you know, it's, it's funny how Muslims know this principle more than Christians. There's no time they call Allah or Muhammad and do not say peace be upon him or blessed is his name. No time. The law, the Torah, Genesis to Malachi, when the scribes were writing, Yahweh consists of four consonants in the Hebrew. We added the vowels so we can pronounce it Yahweh. They deliberately had it spelled without vowels so that they don't pronounce it. And when the scribes were writing Yahweh, when they get to the Wahe, you know, W-H-Y-H, before they write that, they will wash the pen, wash the ink off the pen, dip it in fresh ink, and then write Y-H-W-H in the Hebrew pictorial words, and then wash the pen and continue writing. Every time they got to that name. Every time they got to that name. That's how much they honored it. That's how much they revered it. Now, if they had types and shadows, which they are still stuck in, and we have the substance which we're enjoying, how much more reason do we have to be thankful? Every single time. And somebody goes, you mean I would just spend my whole life in thanksgiving? Yes. yes. Or you don't have a life. Every single time you remember what the Lord has done, man, you'll be thankful. You just find yourself all through your day saying, thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Because here's Paul and Timothy far away. And they just remember the faith of the Colossian church. And they're like, oh, wow, those guys. So each time they go, Colossae, Latapa, thank you. Such faith in that place. That was their outlook. That was their outlook. That was their outlook. Since we heard of your faith, which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, verse 8 and the last verse, who also declared to us your love, in the spirit. So all these particulars of their growth in the gospel caused the apostles to operate in constant thanksgiving. Faith reality. Oh, we are thankful we heard 10 of you bought cars. 
Oh, the church is growing. Two of you have bought land. We are, oh, the church is prospering. Sixteen of our sisters, are, that's a canal church. A church that measures growth by canal material parameters is a canal church. If, if it should still be called church. Look at our church, we're doing well. In our church, everybody is a graduate. BSC is like school sat. You're a canal church. Because that's not how you measure the oxano of a son. That's not how you measure. That's not how you measure growth. Sister of us are married. We have fruit of the womb. This year we dedicated nine children. Statistics. Statistics. Nine goats give birth to kids. It's the order of life. Just that some people happen to be in your area, happen to be pregnant when they ought to be pregnant. It's the order of life. It's the cycle of life. Chickens laid eggs. What's the, what's the big thing? Monkeys didn't give birth to pigs. Our church, nine people got pregnant. Yeah, so, are you the one that slept with nine of them to get pregnant? Our church, nine people, ten people bought cars. Came to dedicate it to the Lord. Car, dedicate, car. Car. Dedicate material things to the Lord. That he should do what with it? Car. The same, you are crying for oil. You are crying for oil. We now carry oil. Pour on you. Carry the same oil. Pour on your car. You are your car. There's no difference. What's the difference? The same oil they pour on you, the same oil they pour on the ground. Sprinkle all over your house. You have become as inanimate an object as what you believe the oil should be used upon. When the church is not thinking, we're so caught up in folly. Car, pour oil on the car. House, your phone, dedicate your phone. Because you managed to buy a phone of 60,000. Ah, see, Pastor, the first time I'm having a phone of 3 gigram. Brand new one. Terrible. Chances. So what? So what? That's not the measure of the growth of a son of God. If it were, again, imitate. We would have had a couple of ex- examples in scripture where the apostles are celebrating. See, Lydia who has helped us in ministry and sponsored us. She has opened a fresh branch in Antioch. Help me celebrate her when you read this letter. You don't see one such example. But Lydia was a wealthy cloth merchant. Oh, look at uh, Philemon, you know, was also wealthy. Onesimus ran from him. Oh, Philemon, I've heard that you have opened a, a fresh, you have expanded. You built one more floor in your business. You acquired a new chariot. Yes, two extra horsepower. Yeah, I celebrate you, dear son, for your success. You don't see one such example. He's constantly celebrating growth and calling out evil. I don't know where we lent ours from, definitely not from the Christ of the scriptures. That's not what falls thanksgiving. It's your faith realities. That's what causes us to be excited. A healthy church is a church growing in her reality in Christ. Not growing in numbers. Say, ah, this church is silly also. A bunch of buffoons inside. Because it's buffoonry. You gathered here, you, you are material and celebrating carnality. And nobody in there can articulate the grace of the Son of God. You say, we're a growing church. We're a dead church. That's not growth. Growth is you growing in the acknowledgement of all that is yours in God through Christ Jesus. You miss Christ Jesus, all you have is stunted growth with plenty money. Stunted growth. With a husband, tall, fair, and handsome, stunted growth with four children. Because Christ 
is growth. Growth is Christ. There's no guesswalking. And again, I, I said it, it, it takes knowing that you are in truth to have confidence. Do you understand? It's truth that gives you confidence, not second blood. There's no way where the scripture is championing material things as the parameter for measuring growth. That's not the reality of the New Testament believer. That you are growing in stature, the measure of the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. That's growth. You're looking at Christ and you're developing spiritual muscle. Developing spiritual six-pack. You're developing spiritual tendrons. You're developing spiritual capacity to move things in the spirit. That's growth. It doesn't matter what you look like or what you dress like. We have glorified the wrong things for too long. And that's why we struggle to be thankful because you're measuring these people have two cars. This is we're living in. See, we, we graduated school the same time. We started business the same time. See how they are doing. See where I'm doing. That's not the measure of growth. The Lord doesn't see that. Your faith reality. Every time it triggers, you wake up and like, wow, me saved. Me justified. Me. Me sat in heavenly places, not under Christ Jesus, together with Christ Jesus. He sat here. I am sat here. See, there are things that, that hamper your reality. And there are also things that, that, should I use the Nigerian phrase, ginger your reality. You just, you just know that. Mm-hmm. So on the table of what Jesus did versus the table of honor, what Jesus did. You have to be careful. Let's define it properly. There's no way that the human honor can, can trump, can, can ride over, can supersede what Jesus did. And, what, and this is what Jesus did. This, this is what it looks like. Find another way to show your honor that will enhance what Jesus did and not take away from what Jesus did. Because equality in the spirit is what Jesus did. So you wake up and like, wow, me, king and priest. Hey, you wake up, Saint Alexander Victor. And me, Hagios, me, me. You would just be thankful. Listen to me. If you wake up and you are thankful that you are alive, you are dead. If you wake up and the first thing you said was, Father, I thank you, I'm alive today, you are dead. You're not alive. You're dead. You are in the flesh. You are dead. You're, you're not a son of God. Oh, Father, I thank you for life. What, 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 what else do you have? Thank you that I'm alive. Yeah. Thank you for your bright new day. As you open your eyes, thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It's because of that you are alive. Oh, Father, thank you for a beautiful night's sleep. No, 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 no. As you are stretching, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you died for me like this. It, see, it is on that platform that you can now measure how you slept, how you woke up, what your day is going to be like. All of that rests on your faith reality. If you wake up and the first thing is I'm thankful for another day, you are selfish, you are dead, you are carnally minded. Because the cross comes first, your reality comes first. 
That's what informs your natural existence. Don't get up, oh Father, thank you for another day. Oh, I'm not like them that slept and they don't wake up. No, 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 no. Your eternal life, your eternal waking up supersedes the one of 24 hours. For when you were dead in your trespasses, had he quickened. That's the one you stay thankful for. Am I saying you should not celebrate being alive to knock yourself out? But your emphasis is what God did in Christ for you. It's against that you measure everything else. Everything else. You wake up and say, Father, thank you for food I can eat. You are carnal. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat and bread, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, you have it. Peace, he is our peace. Joy, the fruit of the... It's not meat and bread. So how you... I never chopped today. So what? We are thankful. That reality supersedes we never chop. And then stay thankful. Stay thankful. Stay thankful consistently and watch chop come to you. Stay thankful long enough. Take my word by the Spirit of God. He will impress your matter on somebody. I've said over and over, if everything you enjoy in life, you earned it, you are poor. You're very poor. You paid everything you're wearing, everything you're enjoying is what you worked for. You're very poor. You're very poor. If you don't enjoy the currency of favor and privilege, you're poor. You're very poor. If someone doesn't remember you and, and just be a blessing to you in kind and in cash and vice, you are very poor. So as you stay thankful, just stay thankful. Stay thankful. Stay thankful. The things you have abdicated in order to be thankful start to follow. Start to come. Start to come. I mean, it's, just be thankful. As it's going, it's coming. As it's coming, it's going. As it's going, it's coming. As it's coming, it's going. There's power and consistency. Stay at it. Stay at it thankful. Stay at it joyful. Stay at it grateful. Stay at it hopeful. Stay at it faithful. That's power in it. The gospel is a catalyst for gratitude. You get up every day, you are thankful. You are thankful. You are thankful. Because it's that thankfulness that is the vigilant. It's that thankfulness that spurs you on. It's that thankfulness that causes you to face any day. Not the fact that you woke up, but the fact that he woke up. Romans, Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25. He, he woke up from the dead. He, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He was raised because of my justification. He woke up and then I woke with him. So now in this flesh, whether I live or die, it makes no difference. He expects thanksgiving of us. Let's finish this. First Timothy 2. Is anybody getting this? First Timothy 2. 1 to 4. Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. And this will interest somebody because it will change the narrative of a of scripture you thought you knew. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. 
For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Go back again, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that all supplications, prayers, and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men and for all kings on authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. For this is good, verse 3. What is good? Because ordinarily it is interpreted that this there means that we may live a peaceful and quiet life. But that's not what he's saying. The attitude of gratitude in prayer is good and acceptable. Yeah? I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be, be made for all men. And then he tells you what to pray. And he tells you that this prayer, giving of thanks, is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Hallelujah. I wrote here and to end, if you be in grace, you should have no problem dwelling in thanksgiving. If you be in grace. If you be in grace. If you are in grace. You have no problem dwelling in thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is our language. Thanksgiving is our grace confession. So our grace confession is not I am justified. Our grace confession is I thank you that I am justified. <laughs> have I fixed something just now? It's not I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not our grace language. Is I thank you that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Because you are acknowledging every good thing which is yours in Christ Jesus. Philemon 1.6. Thanksgiving is our language. It's our grace confession. We are confessing with thanksgiving all we are in God through Christ. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.1-4. to 4. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness, all covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. I said thanksgiving is our language. Thanksgiving is our grace confession. Okay, so stay with me. Neither filthiness, verse 4, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. Stay here, flip to the TPT. So we can understand what foolish talking or coarse jesting. Guard your speech. Forsake obscenities and worthless insults. These are nonsensical words. That bring disgrace and are unnecessary. Instead, let worship fill your heart and spill out in your words. Now stay here and go back to the New King James. You see what New King James says. He uses the word Eucharisteo. Neither filthiness nor foolish justing, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Do not be drunk with wine. Same efficiency. Wearing is dissipation but be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see those parallels? Walks of the flesh are, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is. Hmm? Carnally minded, 
spiritually minded. Foolish talk and jesting, thanksgiving. Do you get it? In other words, the more thankful you are, the less foolish you sound. There is therefore much wisdom to be found in thanksgiving. There is much wisdom to be found, to be gleaned in the place. It's our language. The more thankful you are, the more you acknowledge all every good thing that is yours in Christ Jesus. There's some nonsense you will stop speaking. It's not prayer you need. It's not deliverance. It's practice. It's our grace confession. Don't get caught up in foolish jestings or coarse insulting, but be found giving thanks. Or shut it. You get it? It's our language. So you should always be found giving thanks. Always be heard giving thanks. Always be seen giving thanks. It's our language. It's our grace confession. I thank you that I am. Thank you, Father. Thank you for peace. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for joy. Thank you for the fruit of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This this is the prayer you pray. Every, Every time you pray, pray this. Every time, pray this. Give yourself a personal challenge. Say, Lord, for the next three months, I ain't going to ask you for nothing. I'm just going to be thanking you willy-nilly. Thanking you day and night and just acknowledging every good thing that is mine in Christ Jesus. See what happens in your life. I can't remember, I honestly can't remember the last time I prayed for money. I can't remember. I can't remember. Prayed for a child, prayed for material things. It's been, I can't remember, it's been years. It's been years. But because as I thank, as I thank, remember that? Think and thank. Remember that? As I thank, as I thank, stuff is just coming. Because in thankfulness, you are acknowledging. You are acknowledging. You are acknowledging. You are, it's, not every time, it's not everybody you're begging that you know can give you. You don't see everybody's pocket and so, you know. But thankfulness is a function of knowledge. Being thankful is, is coming from the Father. You know that this person can do this. This person has done this. And I acknowledge this. And because I acknowledge it, I enjoy it. Without apology. Gratitude is the nature of sons. We can never be too thankful. First Thessalonians 3. We can never be too thankful. We can never be too thankful. First Thessalonians 3, 9 and 10. Please, have you seen this scripture? This is Paul again, the apostles, telling the Thessalonian church, for what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, Praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. In other words, man, how how much else can we express our thankfulness? Give us one of the modern translations in verse 9. What would be an adequate thanksgiving to offer God for all the joy we experience before him because of you? 
You know how we come most times and we only say, if I had a thousand tongues, it would not be enough when you got a job. It's only when you got a job. You get, get, get a baby. Pastor prophesied last year. They took your picture there last year. Today, picture of catch somebody. Oh, if I had a thousand tongues, I couldn't thank God. You are carnal. Because if there's anything you need a thousand tongues for, is what Jesus did. What Jesus did. What Jesus, night and day, they said. Go to verse 10. Night and day. We do what we can, praying away. Night and day, asking for the bonus of seeing your faces again and doing what we can to help when your faith falters. They're just there. Each time they think of the Thessalonian church, like, woof, man. How can we thank God enough? That Thessalonica received the gospel. That was their joy all the time. Not that somebody gave birth to a child. Are we saying it's not good? No. I'm not saying that. But spiritual growth is not measured by those things. We can never be thankful enough. How does the TPT put verse 9? TPT verse 9. And this is, this is the guys we're imitating. Verse 9, TPT. This is the, how could we ever thank God enough? For all the wonderful joy that we feel before our God because of you. They were saying there's no way, even if we thank God every minute of every day. And they said in verse 10, day and night, it can't be enough to celebrate you guys and your faith. It's not enough. We can't thank God enough. We can never be too thankful. And that principle carries on, like I said earlier, into our interpersonal relationships. Somebody's of benefit to you. Somebody's a blessing to you. Celebrate them. You smother them with gratitude. Literally, you know the way a dog smothers its owner? With, you literally smother the person for, to whom you are grateful. And you perpetuate that flow of blessing. Constantly. Like I said earlier. Oh, pastor. But... Um, what if we're going through something and we're believing God for something and we don't like what we're going through? You stay thankful. Yes. Yes. Philippians 4, 6. Because it's from the acknowledgement of all Christ has done that you even have confidence to ask. Yes, yeah, the, that confidence that you have is not bone face of me, me, I can ask God anything. No, the, the confidence that we have is the acknowledgement of what is ours in Christ. So that confidence is what causes us to come before God and say, Christ pay for this, I'm taking it. That's essentially confidence, right? Be anxious for nothing. But in, remember earlier when we said that they were praying and um, continue earnestly, um, Philippe, Colossians 4, 2, I believe. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. I think that's Colossians 4 and 2. Yes. Yeah. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Now, hear the language in Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Can you see it? So, again, what's the vehicle for which your prayer and supplication rise? Thanksgiving. That's why I said it's the vigilante of your prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, in the next verse, you would think that he says, and God will answer your request. See the next one. Is that the peace of God? 
which surpasses all understanding. We guard your hearts and mind where? Through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. Does that sound like 1 John 5, 14 and 15? And if we know he heard, we have. And what's the, what's the definition of that reality? Peace. Did you get the math? 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have. You have ask anything in his name according to his will. He hears us. And if we know verse 15 that he hears us, we have whatever we're asked of him. So when you make your request known, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what do you come into? Peace. And what is peace? I have all. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Irene in the Greek. That's the name, Irene. Peace. Totality, completeness. Unshaken and unfaltered by what is happening around me. I have that in the place of prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, if I don't have anything and I thank God that I have it, I have it. And because I have it, I will have it. So your supply does not come from what you think you don't have. Your supply comes from acknowledging what you have. It is from what you have you are drawing. If you got an alert for 200 grand and you are going, you need two grand to buy suya and indomie. You walk to the ATM boldly. Is that not so? You, except if you are a busy body, you don't go to the ATM knowing you received a lot of tonnages to ask for account balance. You just walk in, you're looking around at everybody. You know, that's when you're like, please don't look over my shoulder because you know that there's something to see. If there's nothing in your account, you never bother who's looking over your shoulder. <laughs> who knows what I'm talking about? You're, not, you're like, please, I see you, see as in red. <laughs> in case you want to give me an offering. But when there's something, you just go, because it's only 2K you need. Or 5K, you just go and 5 grand. And it gives it to you, you just take your card and you just go, you know. But now, you have a 3K problem. The last time you checked your account, it was 3K inside. So you have 3K. You need 3K. Or even you need 2 grand. And then you are like, yeah, my bank. When you get there, the first place you are going is account balance. And that bank, that's how you check account balance too much. They will charge you. So you first of all check account balance. Okay, 2,800 and something. You now withdraw to 2,000. And then after you withdraw the 2,000, you check your account balance again. So you now check again. Ha, you removed, you had 2,008. You removed 2,000. There's now supposed to be 800, but it's not like 600 and something. And so we now carry that mentality in our faith. No. Jesus died. They printed ATM and gave you. And the alert doesn't come to you. Whether it diminishes or it increases is not your business. It's like having a platinum card that cannot bounce. Every time life places a demand, you confidently carry the ATM of the cross with thanks. What is thanksgiving? Acknowledging. My father owns the land. 
My Jesus owns the land. You, there's that confidence when you, are, when you are full of thanksgiving, you are acknowledging this check cannot bounce. This check cannot bounce. That's, that's you being thankful. So it takes only someone who is ignorant of what they have to be ungrateful. But to be Christ conscious is to be thankful. Is to never be without thanksgiving. Even when you are believing for something, you are believing for something from the supply of what you already have. You already have it. You don't have a job, you have it. You're just waiting to receive it. There's no, no money to eat. You have it. You're just waiting for it to come. And while you're waiting, you're full of thanksgiving. We saw that in Acts 27. 14 days. It's not like we saw land. It's not like this, this, the storm had abated. 14 days, break bread. Give thanks. Eat. Because you know that not a hair of your head will be missing. So we just stay thankful. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.